call tonight's message Bible Basics. If you have your Bible, um, you can turn, let's see, um, go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy 3. We might up, end up in John 1, 2, uh, but we will, for, for now, I'll have you guys base yourselves in 2 Timothy 3. You'll notice there's a lot of fill in the blanks. Uh, I intend to move quickly. My goal is we want to spend about 20 minutes talking about the Bible, answering these kind of basic questions. And I've broken this down to just a, a few really important questions. because I feel like what happens a lot of times is in church, we so quickly like just assume that everyone knows the basics and we jump to like level two, which is cool. But a lot of times if you never got that level one, you can be really lost for the whole rest of the time. You're like, you have no idea what this book even is. Like, why do we use the Bible? What is the Bible? Like, why do we have these books? And why do they have weird names like Colossians? Like, what the heck is going on? And so what I want to do tonight is I want to just put us all at like 101 level of what is the Bible? Why do we believe in the Bible? Like, how do we use the Bible? Just, I want to answer some basic questions. And then we're going to spend about 15 minutes at the end talking as a group. Traditionally, the first uh, month of the year, January, has been our big circle week, our big circle month, where we uh, circle all the chairs into a big circle, and uh, we just kind of talk through some really practical questions. And so hopefully we can get through this and get to that at the end. So I'm, I just want to start answering some questions about the Bible, and, and I want to invite you, approach this with an open mind. Maybe you've been a Christian for 20 years, and like, um, this is not new to you. I would encourage you, like, don't zone out, but lean in and see, like, man, can I reapproach the Bible with just a fresh mind and a fresh slate? Because when you do that, you start to notice all kinds of incredible things and get some amazing insights. I think, Josh, if you just mute everything except my mic, got it. Um, so, uh, open mind, and you'll find some surprising, encouraging things. So let's just jump into this. What is the Bible? Beyond just like the religious book that Christians use, which is even already a misconception. So we have some misconceptions about what this book even is. Uh, even many Christians like misunderstand how this book is to be used. Plenty of non-Christians misunderstand how this book is to be used. And so people misuse and abuse this text all of the time. So... We have some ways we look at this thing that are just incorrect and inconsistent. So the first, like, misconception, we think that this is the Christian book. And this is not just the Christian book. Because if you know anyone who's Jewish, you'll find that they agree with the first 39 books in this thing. Like, two-thirds of this book, two-thirds of this book is more than just Christians use this thing. So, like, we have to first come to terms. This isn't just a Christian document that we own. This document is used by multiple faiths. The first five books, Genesis through Deuteronomy, even Muslims will accept those as, like, some valid revelation. They'll have some notes to, to, to put against it, and they'll say, well, we need to caveat with that. But there are multiple faiths who all use this document. So we don't have the monopoly on this book. We do, however, have the monopoly on the correct way to interpret it because, uh, well, we'll get into that later. So that's one misconception. Like, this is a book used by a lot of different faiths and a lot of different people, and a lot of people have respect for the things that are written inside of it. Another misconception. We look at the Bible like it dropped from heaven on golden plates. So we look at this book as though it came fully formed, Genesis through Revelation, and like one day this book just popped into existence. God like talked to someone, they wrote the whole thing down, and that's just not the case. Uh, we're going to do an after-the-fact episode this weekend detailing how the Bible came to be. I don't have time to jump into that. But this is more than just like a single book. This is a collection of different books. This did not drop on golden plates from heaven. It was written over the course of thousands of years by tons of different authors. And so it is a complex human document that has 
all kinds of things going on. And, and there's, some, there's some stuff to delve into. So this is more than just a solid unit. Another misconception, we look at the Bible as a rule book or an owner's manual. When I was a kid, I heard this acronym, Bible, B-I-L-B. No, B-I-B-L-E. Kiss. <laughs> the Bilb. I love my holy Bilb, man. The B-I-B-L-E. Basic instructions before leaving earth. And if you've heard me preach for any amount of time, you'll know I think that's ups, absolute crap. Like there's some problems with that. For one thing, we aren't leaving earth. Heaven is coming to earth. Don't even have time to unpack that. This is not an instruction manual. This is not an owner's manual. There's some laws in it. There's some rules in it. There's some wisdom to be found in it. But if you just read this book and try to find instructions on how to live, you're going to get really confused, especially the parts where it tells you not to eat pork and to wash yourself uh, after uh, all sorts of different biological things go on. Catch my drift. Like, you're going to find some confusing things in here if you just read it as rule books. You'll find commands to slaughter all the children in a town. And how many of you know that's not the rule that we're trying to live our lives by? So the Bible is more than just a rule book or, or an owner's manual, another misconception that we have. And this is one that is uh, near and dear to my heart as someone who grew up in a church that kind of looked at it this way. The Bible is God's love letter to me and you. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that precious? But it's not. Because this book wasn't written to you. You know why? Because the beginning of each book tells us who they're written to. And a lot of times their names like um, the Corinthians. This one says it's the Colossians. This one says it's written to Israel. Like we can flip through this book and you're not going to find your name anywhere in this book unless you happen to have a biblical name. But even then, when it talks about Adam, it's not talking about me. When it talks about Andrew, it's not talking about you. When it talks about Joshua, not talking about him. I can't think of any girls with Bible names in here, otherwise I would. Like, I felt bad for just jumping to all the guys, but like, Ariana isn't in the Bible at all. So, your name is not going to be found in this book. This thing wasn't written to you. It's written for you, but it's not written to you. In fact, if you're taking notes, you can just jot that down. It's written for you, but it's not written to you. And we just need to get these misconceptions out of our heads, or we're going to do the wrong thing. I have to keep moving. Here's what the Bible is. Here's what the Bible is. The Bible is, and I stole this definition straight from Bible Project. If you want to dig into the Bible and figure this book out, Bible Project has a great podcast. They have a YouTube channel to make fascinating and aesthetically pleasing. I cannot emphasize that enough. YouTube videos all about the Bible. You can dive in with them. Here's how they talk about the Bible, and I've just adopted their language. The Bible is a unified story that points to Jesus. That's what this book is. It's a unified story that points to Jesus. The theology word we use for this is the word Christotelic. That, that's uh, two Greek words, Christos, meaning Christ, telic, meaning end. The end goal of the Bible is to tell you about Jesus. And so this informs how we use this book because we recognize that everything in here is pointing to Jesus. And so until Jesus shows up on the scene, we don't understand this book. And until we interpret the words in this book in the light of Jesus, we don't understand what they mean. And so that's why, although Muslims respect this book, although Jews respect this book, they can't understand what it means because they don't look for Jesus in the book. Throw John 5.39 up on the screen. Jesus says this, You search the scriptures thinking that in them you have life, but you don't know that these scriptures point to me. They bear witness about me. This book is about Jesus. And so if you don't read it with Jesus in mind, you're going to read it wrong. Bible is a unified story pointing to Jesus. The Bible is also a divine human collection of writings that tell the story of faith. 
So it's written by God through humans. And so we see God and human just kind of coming together in this beautiful mixture in this book. And so sometimes there's some human elements of the Bible that can throw us off and confuse us because humans don't know everything. And so sometimes the humans will write things like they don't fully understand events and they'll write stuff down and so we can get confused. But we have to remember this is a divine and a human document. Both God and human work together on this book. So let's start filling in some blanks. The Bible is eclectic. The Bible is eclectic. That word will be on the screen, E-C-L-E-C-T-I-C, eclectic. That means it, it, it pulls from many different things and many different sources. It's a collection. It's not just one thing. In, in this book, you will find poetry, you'll find narrative, you'll find wisdom literature, you'll find prophecy, you'll find apocalyptic literature, you'll find gospels, you'll find uh, letters, you'll find all sorts of writings. These are, it's an eclectic group of different literature written over 1,500 years by 40 different authors. So we have to like put ourselves into the mind of the style of literature when we're reading it. When we, we can't read the Gospels like we read Proverbs. We can't read Proverbs like we read Genesis. We have to put ourselves into the mind of the text. It's a collection. Second thing you can write down, the Bible is historical. The Bible is historical. The Bible tells a story that we believe really happened. Like when we read that in the beginning God created the earth, we believe that really happened. God really did create the earth. When we read the story of the life, death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus, we believe that those are historical events that actually happened. I cannot stress this enough. Regardless of how you look at uh, small discrepancies in numbers and different things, the Bible is a historical document that tells the story of Jesus. And that story is true. And we believe it. We believe that Jesus really lived, he really died, he really rose again, he really ascended to heaven, he really is ruling and reigning over all of creation, he really will return to finish his kingdom. We believe all of that stuff, the Bible is historical. But when I say this word historical, we need to understand what that means. The Bible is written in, a, in an ancient context, and so the Bible is written to ancient people. And so the way ancient people view history is not the way we view history today. Today, when we talk about history, we talk about it has to be 100% accurate, it has to be unbiased, it has to be without any different viewpoints or flaws. You need a, a, an unbiased, detached report. And that's just how we look at history. And so like if you read a history book today, your history book today is going to tell you about events and it's going to just describe them. And, and if it gives you like spin, if it gives you opinions, if it gives you interpretation, it's not a good history book because it's written from a biased viewpoint. And that is not how the Bible looks at history. And so we just have to come to terms with that. That the Bible is not seeking to give a 100% uh, accurate, uh, factual report. So when we read the book of Genesis, and like, I'm not even trying to open a can of worms on creation, but when we read the book of Genesis, we are not reading a scientific textbook of how the world was created. We're reading the story of creation. And so we're reading for the truth that God is the creator of the earth. And how he did it is not the question that this book is trying to answer. Now, we have science and we have theology, and I can give you a whole on, uh, hour-long lecture of all my views on this stuff. I won't do it now, and all God's people said amen. If you have questions, I'd love to answer that. I'd love to dialogue. These are important questions. This is an important conversation to have. The Bible is not trying to give us scientific answers about our world, because the Bible isn't a science book. The Bible isn't a textbook. The Bible is a religious book. It's the Word of God. So we have to treat it that way. The Bible is a historical document. The Bible is an ancient document. It was written a long time ago. And so it's not interested in asking or in answering the questions that modern readers are asking. 
And so we'll come to this book with all sorts of questions because we want to know, how did the world come into existence? Like, was it a big bang? Did, did God create it through evolutionary processes? Was there like aliens involved? Like, how did this happen? And we have these questions. These are good questions. These are valid questions. These are important questions to answer. I just don't have time to get into it tonight. Like, I'd love to answer these questions. But the Bible isn't interested in answering these questions when we go to these texts. Like, that's just not its purpose. Its purpose is to tell us about God and his purposes in humanity. And so it's answering questions, but it's answering questions that ancient readers are asking. And so when an ancient reader reads this text, they're asking, did Yahweh God create the earth? Or did uh, the Babylonian god Mar Mar Marduk create the earth? And that's the question they're asking. And so that's the question that this thing is answering. And it's not trying to tell us about evolution or the Big Bang or anything like that. And so don't read this looking for that answer because you're not going to get it. The Bible is an ancient document written to ancient people dialoguing with ancient readers confronting and shaping their worldviews. The story of the Bible is God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. Humans created problems in God's good world, and God is on a mission to restore that world through his son, Jesus. That's the story that the Bible is interested in telling, and ultimately, that is way better news for you and me than that the Bible spends a bunch of time on minutia and stuff that really doesn't matter in the great grand scheme of things. The important thing is we need rescue, we need help, and the Bible tells us, hey, help is on the way. The world is a screwed up, messed up place, and it tells that story again and again and again and promises that there's a savior. And that is a way better story than your science textbook, because your science textbook can't save you. Jesus can. Finally, the Bible is a divine human document. The Bible is a divine human document. It's written by God. It's given by God, but it's written by humans. And so it's a product of its time and its culture. And so this is really important because when we read, especially the Old Testament, presents a lot of challenges for us today. Because we'll read laws and we'll be like, whoa, that is so messed up. Because you know what you're going to find if you read this book, you're going to find laws about how to own slaves. I don't know about you, that's a problem for me. I have some issues with owning slaves. And is anyone against me? Like, we need to have a chat after, right? We're all on the same page. That's a problem, but the Bible gives us rules for that. Why? Because the Bible is a product of its culture and its time. And so God, throughout all of time and culture, is trying to raise the standards of ethics. He's raising the standards of morality. And so he's going to a world where owning slaves is the norm. And he's saying, hey, when you have slaves, you're not going to treat them the crappy way that all the other nations do. You're going to treat them with dignity. You're going to value their life. You're, you're, you're going to respect them. And so, yeah, there's some rules, but we have to understand this is in its time and in its culture. This Bible is a progressive document. This Bible is so much better. The laws in this book are so much better than anything else you're going to find in the ancient Near East. So you can do your study. You can come back to your homework. And I'll tell you, you're not going to find a better way to treat people than what the Bible tells you to treat people in its context. So it's a human document. It's a product of its culture. It's a product of its time. And so like, we, can't, or, or, or we, we should avoid the tendency to freak out over things that seem so foreign to our modern sensibilities. Divine human document. God uses the personalities of its authors to influence its message, and so we find that in these texts. So that is what the Bible is. Just basic kind of, here's what we believe about this book. Here's, here, here's what it is. Okay, let's go a little more theological. Less on the practical side, less on the actual book. Let's go a little more to what do we actually believe this book does. 2 Timothy 3.16, we'll throw that up on the screen. This verse tells us that all scripture is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, 
for correction, and for training in righteousness. So this scripture forms the basis of a doctrine that we call inspiration. This is something that many churches believe and, and, and accept that when we read the words of scripture, we are reading the inspired word of God. And so you can write that down as your first blank. The Bible is inspired. Here's what that means. It, it comes from a Greek word, which is theopneustos, which is literally the word God breathed. And so you can think of it as this, like the life force of God is found in the text of your Bible. So when you read the words of scripture, you're literally like, you're, you're partaking in the life of God. One way I've heard this described, it's, you could imagine it as God the Father speaking with God the Son, and you're hearing it through God the Spirit. So as you read the words of this Bible, you're reading the life of God. You're getting the breath of God. You're getting the power of God. Scripture comes from God. Stephen Lawson has a great way he says this. He says, do you want to hear the audible voice of God? And I'm like, yes, yes, I want to hear the audible voice of God. Okay, read your Bible out loud. You want to hear the audible voice of God? You want to hear God speak to you? Read your Bible out loud. Like, this is God speaking. Now, I'm going to caveat that because, like, we have to put it in context and in culture. Like, we just talked about this. The Bible's the divine human document. It's a product of its time. And so, like, God isn't speaking to you today about how to own slaves. Like, we're on the same page. But when you read this thing and you properly interpret it, when you put it in its context, when you pull out the, the important principles, and we're going to talk about how to do all this. But when we do this right, we're hearing God speak. Here's what I want you to hear. God is not distant from your world. God is not distant from your life. God cares about what's going on in your day-to-day -day life, in your day-to-day -day moment, and he has written down wisdom that you can take and use to figure out what's going on. Like, isn't this cool? The God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, and he has a message for you. Properly interpreted in its context, understood rightly, but God wants to talk to you, and as you read the text of scripture, you can receive the breath and the life and the force of God into your life. That's powerful. God meets with his people as we read his word. The Bible is authoritative. You can write that down. The Bible is authoritative. When God speaks, we listen. This thing talks with authority. We live our lives in accordance with its teaching. We trust it on all matters of faith. I got to keep moving. The Bible is our rule of faith. The Bible is our rule of faith. We're on the same page in authoritative, right? We understand authority. Like, there's some authority behind these words. We respect what it says. The Bible is our rule of faith. What this means is it's the way that we structure our faith experience. So, like, when we do church services, we base them on what the Bible says. When we govern our lives and, like, have spiritual experiences, we do it in line with the Bible. Like, we don't practice in our lives things that the Bible doesn't teach us. And so the reason we don't sacrifice goats to God is because that's not what the Bible teaches us to do. And you're like, well, hold on, there's a whole book about sacrifices. Again, interpret it in the culture, interpret it in the context. We rule our faith, we rule our lives based on how the Bible guides us. This Bible's inspired, authoritative, it's our rule of faith. Why do we believe the Bible? This is, a, this is a big question. Because the Bible says so is not an adequate answer. That doesn't work. Like, maybe that works for you. That doesn't work for me. That doesn't work for a lot of skeptics. Like, maybe you're in here and like, yeah, you just told us believe the Bible because the Bible says to believe the Bible. Yeah, that is circular reasoning. That's bad logic. Like, that's a claim the Bible makes, and, and we believe it, but we don't just believe it because the Bible says it. Here's why. Jesus believed the Bible. Jesus believed the Bible. On your notes, I think I put this in there. There's like a Jesus arrow pointing to the church, arrow pointing to the Bible. Is that on your notes? Someone can confirm. Okay, that is the flow of like authority. Like we believe the Bible because we believe in Jesus. 
Our, our faith is not in a book. Our faith is in a person. Like, don't get too academic with this thing. This is a temptation I have all the time because I love, like, parsing out the Greek and the Hebrew and figuring out the context. But this is, my faith is not in a book. My faith is in a man. That, that Jesus really lived, he really died, he really rose, he really took care of my sin, and my faith is in him, not in this book. Like, I believe this book, but I believe it because Jesus believed it. Not because, just because this book is somehow magical or special. I believe it because I believe Jesus. And Jesus quotes the Bible all over the place. He quotes the Old Testament left and right. He clearly believes this book. Jesus believed the Bible, and so I believe in Jesus, and so I believe in the Bible. Second thing, the church believes the Bible. The church believes the Bible. Like, not just Jesus, but his church. So he instituted a group of believers. And for all time, for all of human history, not human history, but for all of faith history, for as long as we've been Christians, we've believed in the book. And so, like, you're not going out on a limb by believing this thing. You're not like this weirdo who's like, whoa, what are you doing? Why do you believe a book? But no, everyone who's ever expressed faith in Jesus has respected the teachings of this thing and has recognized its authority. And so that's why we, we put our faith in it, because we're part of this faith community. This is what we do. This is the book. We are people of the book. Like, I, I'm not dissing this thing. This is a good book. This is a powerful book. We, we believe this book, but not just because it says so, because Jesus says so, because the church that he instituted has accepted this as the word of God. Finally, the Spirit inspires the Bible to my heart. The Spirit inspires the Bible to my heart. And as I'm reading this book, not only do I believe it because Jesus did, not only do I believe it because the church says, but I believe it because the Spirit himself confirms its truthfulness to me as I read it. And if you want to really like grow in your respect and love for this thing, ask the Lord before you read, Lord, would you help me to believe this book? And would you confirm its truthfulness to my heart? And you'll find that as you read, like this reads as the word of God. This isn't just like a book, but this becomes the breath of God in your lungs. Karl Barth, a famous theologian, says it this way, the Spirit, the, the Bible becomes inspired as the Spirit inspires it to our hearts and to our minds. As we read this thing, it, 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 fill, it gets filled with power. It's confirmed to me as I read it that it's true. Okay, last, last set of blanks, and then we're going to talk. How do we use the Bible? How do we use the Bible? I'm just going to give you five quick ones for like, we're going to go more in depth next week on like how to actually study and methods, but here's just some overview points. Look for genre. When you're reading this thing, look for genre. Consider the style of the text you're reading. So one of my favorite Bible teachers, Jen Wilkin, she's awesome. She said it this way, read literately, not literally. You hear that? Read literally, not literally. So we read it, and we read it like literature. And so when we read poetry, we read poetry like poetry. I don't know if y'all have read some poetry recently, but when it says her eyes are like blazing fire, do we believe that there's actually like explosions going on in our eyeballs? No. We believe that it's a poetic description of like her eyes are like beautiful to look at and they're dazzling and like just like I love to stare at a fire, I love to stare at her eyes. Like you won't find that poem in the Bible. Actually you might find that in Song of Solomon. Who knows? I, I haven't read it that in depth. But right, we consider the genre of what we're reading. Like so we read poetry as poetry. We read narrative as narrative. Like we, we read apostolic instruction as apostolic instruction. We, so we, when we read in a narrative, uh, God telling someone to do something, we don't then assume that that's for us. We assume, no, that's what God said at that time and that point in the story. 
but we shouldn't take that as our own. Just because God told Abraham to sacrifice Isaac doesn't mean that you, when you have a kid, should go up on a mountain and sacrifice Isaac and wait for a, a ram to pop up in the thicket. Like, that, that's not what we do. Just because God told Noah to build a boat, you don't need to go build a boat in your backyard. Like, that's narrative, so you read it that way. Are we on the same page? Look for genre. Look for the story. Look for the story. Over 70% of this book is narrative, not instructive. And, and so don't read narratives looking for moral advice read narratives, do read narratives, looking for the story of redemption. And so like, if you, when you get confused, like what's going on? Like just try to take a step back and figure out what's the storyline here? So this is really powerful, especially for the beginning of the Bible, because it's lots of these long narrative stories. Let's just take a step back and try to figure out what's the story here? What is this, what is this really telling me? Like in the big scope of things, the story is often God told people to do something, they didn't do it, problems happened, God saved them. That's almost always the story. But like, take a step back, look at those story beats, look for story. Look for questions. Look for questions. So the Bible is always answering questions for its original audience. And so what we should do when we come to this text is we should figure out what questions is the Bible trying to answer? What questions should I be asking? Rather than coming with our own set of preconceived questions, we should try to figure out what questions is this thing trying to answer? And I'm going to figure that out and then I'm going to get some answers to those questions. Last thing, oh no, not last thing. Look for truth. Look for truth. The Bible regularly describes the world and the human condition. And so we're going to examine that description of the world and we're going to compare it to our experience and our own. What claims is this text making about the way the world works or the way the world should work? What's the truth that this is trying to give me? What's this text trying to tell me about God? What's it trying to tell me about myself? What's it trying to tell me about sin, salvation, etc., etc.? We're looking for the truth. Last thing, last thing. Look for Jesus. And like, don't cut this out, because this is the most important part about it. If you get nothing else, get this. Look for Jesus. Like, I'll go back to John, where we started. You search the scriptures because you think in them you have life, but they point to me. Life is not found in this book. Life is found in Jesus. And so as we read this book, which is important and good and awesome, we read this book looking for Jesus, because he is he is the point of this whole story. He's what it's pointing to. And so we want to find Jesus. We want to grow in our love and affection for Jesus. Not our theology. Not, and, and theology is good. I love that. But not just theology. Not just doctrine. Not just like our own academic prowess. But we want to find Jesus. We want to find his power. And then the last thing, I just, I didn't get this in your notes, but I, I was thinking about this. Finally, read in community and read with resources. The Bible is not meant for you to read it alone, although that's good and that's awesome. It's not meant for you to just read it alone. The Bible is meant to be read in community. And for church history, like when communities of people have come together and read scripture and discussed scripture, it's so much more rich. It's so much more deep. Like, so I do a Bible study every week uh, going through the book of Ephesians with someone else. And like the power of having someone else in the room and we're like dialoguing, asking questions to each other, like figuring things out, so much more productive than when I just sit down on my own because I don't know everything and I can't ask all the questions. Just having someone else with me like gets another perspective, gets more questions. This is powerful stuff. Read with resources. Like there, you, you don't have to do this alone. Like I, I told you all about like how, how dense and difficult this book is. Thank God you don't have to figure it out on your own. Like there are resources out there. So there's commentaries you can read. There's books you can read. There are all kinds of websites and articles. So you can go to desiringgod.org. That's a great resource if you just want some help understanding passages. The Bible Project, those guys are my best friends. Not actually, but like I make that podcast my best friend. I listen to it all. If you want to really crack this book, it's easy. It's going to take you one year. 
You're going to listen to the Bible Project. They have 231 episodes right now. Each episode's about an hour long. So you're going to listen every day of the week, and you're going to skip weekends because you don't need to listen to a podcast every single day. That's ridiculous. But every single day of the week, you listen to this Bible Project podcast, 230 episodes, and I guarantee you, you're going to come away like, whoa, I understand the Bible so much better, so much more. Like, I'm just going to free publicity for them. Like, if you do nothing else, like, different, add this in. Or listen to three episodes a week and take two years on this. But it's going to be so productive and so powerful. It's changed my life. It'll change yours. I'm a Bible Project evangelist. Like, you want to really crack this thing open? Let's dive in. Let's go deep. So read this thing. Read it with people. Read it with help. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to talk. Jesus, thank you for this book. Thank you for the ways that you teach us and inspire us through your word. Lord, I pray that we would go into this month, we would go into this series hungry for you, hungry for your spirit. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just look at this book as an academic textbook. We wouldn't just look at this as a theology book, but that we'd look at this as the story of you. That as we read this book, we would fall in love with you. That you would come alive in our lives. That you would come alive in our hearts. That you would change us and mold us and shape us through your power. Jesus, it's you that we want. It's you that we need. Pray that these students would love this book more. They'd love its teaching more. They'd love you more as a result. We thank you. We praise you. It's for your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, let's grab our chairs. Let's big circle up. Okay, like I said, if you have questions that are popping up, write those down on that card. You can drop them in the box. You can fill out more than one question card. There's no limit on the questions. We may not get to them all at the end of this thing, but we're going to try to answer as much as we can. Okay, so let's chat. Let's chat. Um, let's just start with this. What do your guys' Bible reading habits look like? Like, who would say I read the Bible um, once a month? Start there. I must read the Bible at least once a month. At least. Maybe you do it more at least once a month. Okay. Who would go? I read it like once a week. Who's in here? All right. And there's no shame. Like if you're like, man, my hand can't go up. It's all right. There's no shame. There's no judge. Who's like, okay, I'm reading two or three times a week. How many else we got? All right. Drop outs. Who, who's reading? Who's reading every day? Okay. Or Wednesday. Every day but Sunday, because I definitely don't read on Sundays either. All right, every day but Sunday. Do we have any? Are you in every day, even Sundays? It's the Sabbath. Yeah. So we rest from reading the Bible because that's such hard work. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> do you do you read Sundays, Ari? Yeah. Okay. Cool. For sure. Cool. Okay. So that's just a, that's just a good like let let let's let's start there and understand where we're at. Okay. Why why should we read the Bible? And this, I'm not looking for like a specific answer. This isn't like a, did you pay enough attention to my sermon? And like an answer. I'm just like, let's get your thoughts. Um, when I first started reading the Bible, which is actually this year, on a very consistent basis. This year, 2021? Or 2020 into 2021. Um, you, you, it's a, kind of important to read because it obviously helps and guides you. And you get to hear what God has to say on how you should treat someone or how you should live your life. But it also is almost like fitness for your like faith and how you want to be with God, and it really shows your heart and like your relationship with God. Remember, as a Christian, it's a relationship, not really a religion, where you have a relationship with God. And so, like, it's really like a fitness plan. Like, I'm taking this set of time to work on my relationship with God and read deeper into what He's telling me to do and how He's guiding me. And so. At first, I was like, I don't know. I was told to read it, so I should read it. But then I found out the real benefits of reading it and growing in it. Can I answer from back yeah. here? Yeah, go for it. Cool. Feel free to turn around. I'm kidding. Um, 
I like to read the Bible. Wait, what was the question? Uh, how, why? Why? Why should we read the Bible? Oh, okay. Um, well, personally, um, I like to be sure that I'm pretty consistent with reading the Bible just because um, I've noticed the change that happens when I stop reading the Bible or um, like when I like go a couple days without reading it um, because I'm like busy with homework or something. There's just like a real change that happens in like my spirit and the way that I interact with others. Um, and it's like tangible. Like I'm, I like go home and I'm like, why am I so mad? Like everyone's annoying me and I'm just like, I'm, I'm more likely to be tempted to like do bad things, like I'm not gonna like kill anyone, but like just like like stupid things like um, I'll spend more time on social media and just like not be consistent in routines that I set for myself. But um, when I'm in my word and when I'm reading my Bible, I'm more likely just to look back on my day and think, okay, wow, there was progress today. Um, I interacted with people and it was good. And um, there were some mistakes, but you know, I'm growing and stuff. And so um, I think that it's good to read the Bible. And part of why we should read the Bible is because um, I think who we are when we read the Bible and when we're in our faith is the best reflection of who we are. Um, instead of when we're not reading our Bible, I feel like that's just like the worst that we could possibly be in terms of like how we act and the things we do. Um, yeah, so we read the Bible because it has a positive effect on like every other aspect of our lives. Okay. Um, anyone want to be honest and just be like, what are your obstacles to reading the Bible? Why don't you read more often? Why don't you read the Bible? Why just want to be real? Go for it. Well, I think you're reading a book, like be focused on it. Okay. Like, I tried to one time, but I, I couldn't even be focused. So it's a real problem. I have a hard time focusing on reading on this book with anything else. And what studies tell me, because I like study this stuff because it's my job, like that's not just you, that's a lot of people. The biggest issue facing our world is not so much a lack of Bible, it's a lack of just literacy. We're not reading people. Like for a long time in human history, we like were readers, and now we're not really readers anymore. The good news is there's resources for people like you. Um, there's audio Bibles. So your Bible app can read the Bible to you. You might try that, and maybe it's easier to listen to it. Um, Great audio Bible app is called Dwell. It's a subscription service. It's gonna cost you like two bucks a month. Um, so maybe you can't afford that or don't wanna do that, but I can recommend it. It's a great, like, it's a great tool. They have like all kinds of different voices and background music and like really helps you engage. So that might be something you try. Uh, it's just a, just a thought. Yeah, anyone else like wanna jump um, in? Fun fact though, our senior pastor, my dad, actually, he also reads it, but he struggles with reading the same way and he listens to the Bible a lot. And it's actually kind of crazy to think that a pastor needs to listen to the Bible be read to him because he struggles with reading. But it, there's a lot of ways, like Adam said. To yeah, I think Pastor Dave listens to the Bible more than he reads the Bible. Is what I've, I've heard from him. So you're not alone, and it's not. It's, it's cool. Bible's good. Find find a way that you can interact with that. Maddie, I saw your hand shoot up. Anyone else like, man, I just don't have time. I'm so busy. Cool, cool. Anyone else have obstacles they want to share? Go for it. Um, I'm trying to like read it sometimes. Um, the reason why I don't fully like read it is because like there's some I don't understand like what he's mm. trying to say. So like I dwell off and like I don't understand it. 
That's a that's a super valid point. What might be a solution for that? And I'm, again, I'm not looking for like a specific like now you can do this and all your problems are fixed. Which I'm just let's dialogue. Like, and then besides Ari, I'm gonna jump in. No offense, Ari. I just want to give other people opportunities. Okay. Is that a hand or is that a hair? Uh, what, <laughs> um, what sort of solutions for like man? I just don't understand what I'm reading, so I get distracted. What's like? What are ways to help? Good. That's good. Go for it. You know, sometimes um, if you're stuck on a word or anything, you could also like you know, search up the word or you know, like let's say um, there was just one time I was stuck on a on, like, on a verse and you know there was a word that I was like you know I didn't comprehend it, yeah. so I just basically just searched it up on the dictionary, just looked at the dictionary. Yeah. Pretty much is most likely on there, so that's your best bet probably if you're either stuck on a word or. I want some trippy words. Propitiation. I think it's the weirdest word in the Bible. That's a that's my submission. Alright, what did you want to Oh, um, I suggest uh, a study Bible. I know when I first um, started reading the Bible, like after holy sweat, New York. But anyway, I like um the first Bible I got was a study Bible just because like I would like open it and I'm like who is this person? This makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. Um, but study Bibles are like super cool because like they um, like they'll like highlight the names. Um, I know that the Crossway. I can show you mine after if you want. But um, the Crossway one, it has like little like who is this person? It has like a character profile. It has like did you know facts? Like just like cool things to like really help you understand. It has like maps so you can know where things are. And where do you find the, the study Bibles? Um, you can order them online. That's probably the best way to do it right now because of COVID. But I know that Barnes & Noble is still open. It's a bookstore. Does Barnes um, & Noble still exist? Yes, it does. There's one right by the Tyler Mall. Um, you can go to Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby's a Christian store. I went recently. They have Bibles there and study Bibles. Um, yeah, but they have them on Amazon and they're like not expensive at all. Um, if you just like want like a good like study Bible. Um, yeah. Study Bibles are a great resource. One other really great way to help engage is journaling like as you're reading so this is what i do because i really struggle to like pay attention and like i'll read like three verses and then like they'll get my mind going and i'm off on la la land real quick and i'm like planning the next sermon series and i'm planning an events and then i'm like thinking about dinner last night and like i go all over so i keep a journal with me and i like will write down the verse not like but i'll write down okay verse 25 and i'll try to like write a summary or i'll like what is this talking about just to help me like focus and engage so that's a helpful thing. We are out of time. That went fast. Next week I'm going to talk less and we're going to talk here more. Um, also next week we won't have a 15 minute. Kidding, all right. It was 12 minutes. <laughs> all right, let's pray. Uh, anyone want to pray? Volunteers? Go for it, all right. Thanks. You can't pray next week. Oh, okay. Lord, thank you for um, bringing us here today together, Lord. Um, we really appreciate it. Thank you for allowing us to gather, to meet in your house, um, especially with everything going on with COVID and stuff, Lord. It's such a blessing to be able to gather together and study your word. Um, we don't take that for granted. Lord, I just pray over every student um, in this room. I pray that they just really understood the message, um, that there are just like bits and pieces that they take home and they really meditate on God. I pray that... Um, they use, this op they use this as an opportunity this year just to get started reading their Bible, Lord, um, just to really crack it open um, and start. I pray that um, 
we're all good resources to each other, Lord, that we're just open to helping each other and encouraging each other. Um, as we explore the sermon series, God, I pray that um, we all just grow in our faith, um, our dedication to you, and that we all just um, really learn how to study the Bible because um, it's such a crucial discipline for us to have, God. Um, and a lot of our life is built around it. Amen. 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 Jesus. 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 You are. You are. Better. Better. better than, anything than anything. Than anything. In this world. In this world. Love you guys. Have a good night. See you next week. And <laughs> cut. <laughs> Trademark.